0: Amen. Well, would you stand with me this morning to Psalm 45, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, thinking about the verses earlier. Isaiah 45, I don't know about you, but I heard that song as she was singing it the other day, uh, preparing for this morning. Anybody else ever get up in the morning and think to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day? You know, just feeling so overwhelmed. And uh, even, even as we live in this world that is a dark, sinful place, uh, it seems as if our, our daily lives, that sometimes we find ourselves in the dark, in the darkness. And this past week, that's, uh, we spent the week uh, focusing on the Word of God and focusing on God. And we talked about the treasure chest, and what is the most important thing in our lives right now, and that is the Word of God and God Himself. And I I brought a little treasure chest with me this morning, and you know, treasures, you know, you ever heard the saying, one man's junk is another man's treasure, right? And uh, my mom used to go to garage sales, she called it junking, and she said, I'm going to go junking, and she'd come home with some nice things, you know, that people were just getting rid of and got it for an amazing price a lot of times, but you find that this world, uh, the things that this world considers to be treasures. A lot of people, of course, are chasing after uh, the mammon, the money, the riches of this world, and certainly that might be a treasure to some people. Other people, it might be something like uh, jewels, and we talked about uh, some things. These aren't real, so don't don't act like they are, But These are are, are cubic zirconians, probably. I don't know. But there's a lot of things that are considered to be treasures. And God kind of, with all that's going on as a pastor, we come to the end of our series on Joseph. And this morning, we start a brand new series. And uh, Lord leading me, I want to, maybe over these next couple weeks, maybe months, just kind of keep what we're going to cover today from Isaiah 45 to use this as our springboard and this passage in Isaiah 45. Now, there's some history behind that, and the Lord may allow me to share some of the history behind this particular passage in Isaiah 45. But I want you to look at these verses beginning in chapter 45 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have then, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness." and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And I want you to notice again, look at verse number three. He says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. And in verse number seven, he says, I form the light and create darkness. And let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for how God, you are always working. God, you are wanting to work through us to accomplish your will for your people. And I pray that you'd help us to lay the groundwork this morning for really what's been happening in this world in our lives individually. And Lord, what you want to do, what you are doing. God, may you help us to understand it this morning and to act upon that which you show us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Now when you look at these verses, chapter 45, verse 1 down to verse number 7, did you notice how many times the the personal pronoun I was used? Fourteen times in seven verses, if I counted correctly. Every time you see that personal pronoun, it is a reference to God. It is a reference to the goodness of God, and it is a reference to the glory of God, and it is a reference to the greatness of our God. I love when I study the Word of God and I look at chapters like this that declares what God is doing. A lot of times people say, well, I just don't understand what God is doing. Well, this morning, we're going to look at Isaiah 45 and what God is doing, but notice we're also going to look at what God is going to do in human history. We're going to see this this morning. See, there are times, which I believe in your life and mine, like today, where we find ourselves in the dark. You ever found yourself in the dark? I mean, I'll tell you, the dark can be a scary thing, and certainly in our lives, when we are Uh, we find ourselves alone, we find ourselves really not knowing what to do or where to go. There are times where we cannot find our way, because we don't have the guidance that we need in our lives. We don't understand what is happening, and when we don't understand what's happening, what do we do? We look for answers. We try to figure it out. Have you come to understand yet that Many times you can't understand or figure out what's going on. I've had that happen many times in my life. And I'm sure that's what was going on with God's people here historically in Isaiah chapter number 45. But I love the way that God says that he, God, will give them the treasures of darkness. Kind of an interesting thought this morning. Isaiah writing here actually is writing in reference to what is known as the Babylonian captivity. Uh, This is something that happened with Judah. And as Isaiah is writing this, and of course we find other places in the Bible where this is recorded, Ezra and Jeremiah, not only does God record here in Isaiah the captivity of Judah, but he also covers the deliverance of Judah. That, That is what we'll see this morning. God's people, remember, as we've heard many times about a young man by the name of Daniel, and there were three other Hebrews that the Bible mentions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were among the many in three different times where God's people were carried away into captivity into a, a, a foreign land known as Babylon as captives. God told his people that they would be in captivity The the amount of time that they refused to obey him. Remember, as you study the Bible, maybe you've seen this, where God told them that they could work the land that God gave to them, but every seventh year they were to let the land rest. And the, the children of Israel, they disobeyed God. Just like many of us. God has told us what we are to do, how we are to live our lives. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. But many times we don't do what God has asked us to do, and along with that disobedience comes consequences, and that's what Israel, that's what Judah found here in their lives, where they were taken into captivity because they would not obey God. Look what Jeremiah writes, Jeremiah 29.10, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years, how many years? Seventy. So how many years do we see that they did not obey God? Well, 70 years because, again, it would be uh, based on the amount of time that they refused to obey him. So the, the captivity of the children of Judah was for 70 years. And Jeremiah says, after the 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, notice God says, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return this place. God tells us through Jeremiah the prophet that there there would be a 70-year captivity, but at the end of that time of disobedience and, of course, being in captivity, that God would allow them to come back into the area known as Palestine. When you and I, like Judah, when we go through periods like they were doing, periods of darkness, times where we are being tested, trials in our lives, certainly they went through it when they were in Babylon. When we go through that, what you and I need to do as God's people is that we need to, by faith, trust God during those times of darkness. Allow God to point the way to the treasures that are in the darkness. God has, see, a lot of times people think, boy, I just don't know. I don't understand why we're going through this. I don't understand this Whole situation with COVID nineteen. Well, guess what? Neither do I. But I do know this: God knows what's going on. God knows what He is trying to accomplish. And can I say it as we look at the passage this morning? That during this time of darkness, that God has treasures for us in the darkness. That was telling Judah during this particular time that there are treasures to be found in the darkness. Look at Romans chapter number 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Look, you and I, we are finite beings. God is infinite. God knows what he is doing. We cannot understand it. His ways are past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him, look at these words, and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. God knows what he's doing. And look, folks, we, we may not always understand, but when you find yourself In a time of testing and trials and difficulties and you feel like you're in the dark, God says, I have treasures for you in the darkness. This is what he was sharing with Judah through Isaiah the prophet. No one can fully understand everything that God is doing, yet the Bible declares what God does and everything that God does, he does it with wisdom and with knowledge. You know, The Bible mentions here in in Isaiah 45 a man by the name of Cyrus. Cyrus the king. Do you know that 150 years before Cyrus was born, God told us about Cyrus. See, God is always working. God knew that his children were going to go into a period of darkness. Before this first COVID breakout happened, God knew that it was going to happen. And God had treasures for us, just like God had for Judah. God has absolute, complete knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. Do you believe that this morning? Because I'm going to tell you, we have a God who, yes, is a present tense God. He is the I am. But he has complete knowledge. Absolute knowledge of everything past, present, and future. 150 years before God delivered his people, he tells us all about what was going to happen. And can I say this morning, with all certainty this morning, what an amazing God we have. We talked about him all week as we try to help the boys and girls understand our our one true God. And this story this morning is, as I spent this week just thinking about what God was doing through the lives of those of Judah, that this story will help you and I. Because sometimes things will not go the way that we think they should go. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 12, Paul writes here and says, but I would ye should understand, notice brethren, save people, that the things which happened unto me have happened, they've fallen out, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. When I look at that verse, you know what that tells me? That tells me because the Lord has not come back yet, that God still has a work to do. That there are still people that need to be saved before it's eternally too late. And here's the thing is, is that God is allowing us, just like he allowed Judah to go through a period of darkness, not so that we can mope around and be fearful for our lives and and be fretting and be wringing our hands, but realize that it is a great time for Christians to realize that God wants to use us, that he wants to give us the treasures that he has for us because there are still many that can be reached before it's eternally too late. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want you with me this morning to look at a couple of things that I found in Isaiah 45. Notice, first of all, that our God never changes. Can I give an amen for that? Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. We do. Now hopefully you're changing because you're growing in the Lord. But understand this morning that we should never doubt the goodness of God. During times of darkness, the Bible declares that it declared for for many years before it happened that they would go into captivity. And can I tell you that even when they were in captivity and even when you're going through what you're going through right now, and even during these months of the COVID-19, can I tell you that God is still God, even during those times? Even when the children of Israel were in a strange land, notice these verses from Psalm 107 this morning. Look at verse number one there in your notes. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Look at these words. Let's say them together. For he is good, for his mercy endureth for how long? Forever. You know how long forever is? Forever. God's mercy endureth forever. It doesn't run out. Listen, it's an endless, bottomless barrel. Uh, Notice what it says here in Psalm 107. Look at God's response when, when man is fretting about things. Look what it says in verse number six. And then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And what was his response? He delivered them out of their distresses. Verse number 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And what was his response? He saved them out of their distresses. Notice verse number 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. Verse number 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Look, when I look at Psalm 107, what a great example for you and I this morning that in the middle of our trouble, we need to make sure that we do not forget that the mercy of the Lord endureth how long? Forever. God's mercy endureth forever. That same psalm, look at verse number two, Psalm 107, verse two. Let the redeemed of the Lord, are you saved this morning? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey, praise God we're saved. Praise God that we have a home in heaven. Look, I realize that there might be times of darkness, but it's during those times of darkness that God says, I will give you treasures in the darkness. Look, we look at the darkness as a bad thing. God says, it's a time that I want to work in your life. God is always the same. He never changes. Only God. Look, he's good. We say this all the time. God is good all the time. Can I put it this way? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Amen. You know, our, our circumstances change, but God never does. God is good even when his people are not. Did you hear me this morning? If God never changes, his unchanging characteristic and and quality, it doesn't change because we're not good. God is good all the time. Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Look at Romans chapter 2, Paul's Testimony here to those in Rome, he says, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, the devil hates the goodness of God. You know why? Because the goodness of God leads us to repentance. See, some of us just need to realize as we find ourselves in the darkness that God's been good all the time, Right? Look, is that just something we say, or do we really believe it? Do we live that? God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And I find here that, as Paul says, look, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, that gets us back on the right track, that gets us to realize, instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, that God is working in our lives, that God never changes, never doubt the goodness of God in times of darkness. Notice, secondly, our God is always at work. We see that here in Isaiah 45, God's hand. Have you seen God's hand in your life? I certainly have in mine. But can I tell you, in our lives, here's one thing you ought to do. You ought to look for God's hand in your life and see the many times God was working and you didn't even realize it. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet, a little small book, four chapters, by the name of Jonah. And the Bible says it, that Jonah found himself in the belly of a great fish. There's a good picture right there. That's the best picture I could find. See Jonah sitting there? He's got his desk, you know, he's, he's sitting there contemplating, what am I doing in this smelly fish? By the way, I, I get tired sometimes. People say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't call it a whale. Yeah, it does if you look over Matthew chapter number 12, because he says he, Jonah spent three days and three nights in the the whale's belly. It was a great fish. And so here Jonah is, he finds himself in the belly of this great fish. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter two and verse three, look at these words, for thou hadest cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Notice what in chapter one in verse number 15, the Bible says, and they took me up, they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her rage. You Remember the story how Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, right? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And the Bible says that, that the people on board the ship, they realized that Jonah was the problem. And so they, they take Jonah and they throw him overboard. Did that happen, yes or no? It happened, right? The, the sailors on board that ship, they threw Jonah overboard. But notice again, what the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse number 3, he says in verse chapter number 3, or chapter number 2, verse 3, for thou, thou hadest cast me into the deep. You know what Jonah realized? He looked beyond, yes, those sailors that might have picked him up physically and thrown him over. He realized that it really wasn't the sailors that threw him over. It was really God. God was the one that said, Jonah, you know, he, this is what's best for you. I'm going to let you go through this this time of darkness in your life. Jonah, as maybe he was sitting here in, in this depiction this morning, maybe Jonah realized and he saw God's hand in the matter. And I don't know about you or where you are or what you're going through or what you'll face in the days to come, but can I tell you this, that if you look, you just might see God's hand at work in your own life. You need to understand that when you find yourself, and I guarantee as Jonah was sitting there or whatever he was doing in that smelly, fish's belly, that Jonah realized somewhere along the way, God loves me. God loves me. And God is working in my life. Remember what John wrote in 1 John chapter number 4? Look at this. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He loved us while we were yet enemies. God loved us in our sinful condition. And just like Jonah... When we, you and I, when we experience the love of God in our lives, what that does, the love of God, is it will stir our hearts to love him in return, to want to serve him the way that we ought to. Each and every day, we need to see God's hand in all things in our lives, and the only way we can do that is by faith. And so we see here that our God never changes. Notice our God is always at work. Thirdly, this morning, I see that our God works Notice, our God's work comprehends all of history. Our God's work, what God is doing, it includes, it comprehends all of history. This is a great help to me whenever I see this, how not only here in the life of, of, of those of Judah, but in so many others in history, I find that God's work is not confined to one period of time. Aren't you glad for that? Because God wouldn't be at work today if God was at work back here in Isaiah 45. See, his work is not uh, it confined to one period of time. It includes all of human history. Psalm 31, verse 15, My hand, my, The times, my times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Somebody said, our times are in thy hand. Whatever they may be, pleasing or painful, dark or bright, as best may seem to thee. You see, our times, just like the psalmist, are in the hands of God. Your life today is in God's hand. God was working in Isaiah's day, and God is still at work today. And we may look at a tragedy, and we might think to ourselves, we see something tragic going on, and we think to ourselves, what a loss. But when you look at it from God's perspective, what we ought to realize is what a gain. Instead of what a loss. We may not see things from God's perspective, But I'll tell you this, we believe that God makes no mistakes. Do you believe that this morning? God doesn't make mistakes. Look at Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is what? It's perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. See there, look, folks, I know you know what I'm talking about this morning. There is darkness in life. And, and in the darkness of life, we find the treasures that God has provided. And notice here, fourthly this morning, that our God, as we go through these times, He works out every detail. He, God is working all the time. Look back in chapter uh, 45 and verse number 1. Look at these words, how God says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leave gates, and the gates shall not be shut. You see, in those verses, God is actually speaking about the exact gates that the army with Cyrus would go through. Those leave gates are the gates of Babylon. Uh, you studied out historically, it's kind of a neat uh, passage or a really unique portion of history where. Where uh, those of Babylon, they thought that the, the walls of Babylon and the city of Babylon was impenetrable, uh, how that you could not get into the city, how that they thought it was so well fortified and, and how that that Cyrus goes to those gates and how Uh, Of course, they could not get through, and they found another way that they went through the aqueduct, and it was just an amazing thing how God was working. But we find here that God speaks of those exact gates in in history. Notice in verse number two, God says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I see how God says that when when we come, like Cyrus and the army uh, of Persia, how they came to this these obstacles, how God says, look, when you come to obstacles in life and you find yourself in the darkness, God says, I'll be with you. I'll go through that with you. I will take care of every detail. And I think it's awesome in our lives to realize that God is interested and involved in every detail of our lives. You know, God doesn't miss a thing. He's involved in every detail. Look at Genesis 28, 15. He says, and behold, I will be with thee. And I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. A lot of times we use the verses in the New Testament where Jesus said, I I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. You see here in Genesis 28, long before the New Testament was ever recorded, you see those very same words where he says, I will not leave thee. God deals with every detail in our lives And I'll tell you this, that when God says, I will be with thee, and I will not leave thee, you know what that's talking about? That God's presence is going to be with you. Do you know the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's promised to be there with us? Do you know God's here today? We came to worship the Lord, and the Lord is with us. Do you know what our treasure is in the darkness? It's the presence of God. The presence of Almighty God. I was thinking this week about when Moses went up on Mount Sinai. And God said, I want you to take your shoes off. Moses saw this bush that was burning, but it wasn't consumed. He was in the presence of God. Do you know that we can come boldly before the throne of grace? That we can enter into the holiest of holies, into the presence of God? Folks, we live in a day where it's almost like God is a distant God. Like we cannot get close to him. We cannot know him. But yet the Bible reminds us so many times. He says, I'm working every detail in your life, my presence, Exodus thirty-three, fourteen. 14, look at this, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. I love the thought here, how God is working every detail with us and in our lives. Notice another thought this morning is our God works through individuals. I want you just for a moment to forget who you are and realize that God saved you and God wants to work through you. See, a lot of times, if you're like me, you realize how inadequate we are. That we're sinners, saved by the grace of God. There's nothing special about us, but there is something special about our God. And God wants to work through individuals. God sent us a Savior. He sent His Savior through the nation of Israel. Notice in chapter 45 again in verse number five. Look what he says. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. See, God said from the east to the west, that people would know. That's what we tried to help the boys and girls with this week. To know who is the one true God. Remember what David said when he he stood there in the valley of Elah and Goliath the giant was standing there blaspheming God. And David said that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. You see, people need to know who God is. God wants to work through individuals. And I love here in chapter 45, how God used an individual. Do you know that when you study the Bible, to my knowledge, and I believe this is correct, the only Gentile in the Bible that God actually referred to as his anointed was Cyrus. Look at it again, chapter 45, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, I will loose the loins of king to open before him the two leaf gates, and the gates shall not be shut. See, when I look at this, I realize God was the one that raised up Cyrus, this Gentile king, to do what? To accomplish his work. God can do anything at any time. And we find here that our God spans all of human history, every particular period of time. And I love this, how the word that is used there, how He was God's anointed, the same word we find in the Bible as the word Messiah. Now, certainly, we're not talking about Jesus who delivered us from our sins. But God was going to use Cyrus. I was thinking of years ago when I pastored my first church and kind of got into a real hornet's nest. There was a lot of bad things going on. It was, it was really a bad situation for the Lord, for the ministry. But I remember when we were there, and of course all we went through, and, and it's still in, in some aspects very vivid, some of the things we went through, my wife and I and our family. And I don't look back at it and, and say, woe is me. I realized that it was a time of darkness, and there were treasures in that darkness that God had for us. But I'll never forget, and what I'm about to tell you, I'm not telling you in any way to say anything about myself. I'm I'm wanting to help you understand how God wants to use you. But we went through all of that situation, and and we came to the end of it, and it was evident that we were going to have to leave because of some things that were going on. And honestly, I wish I would have handled some things in a different way. And, and, and of course, I made mistakes myself. But I remember that we were talking to some of the people, some of the members that were dear to us. And there was an elderly couple that lived just really up, up the highway from us. His name was Jim. Her, his wife's name was Cardeen. Cardine. And she came to me one day, and she said to me in, in this conversation that we had, which was a really sweet time, she said to me, she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that you are our Moses. I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I've never been called Moses. And I looked at her, and I said, I said, Cardine, what are you talking about? And she said, Pastor, she said, I, I was born here. She said, I was raised just down the road. She said, I've gone to this church all my life. She said, we have a cemetery out behind the church. She said, I have a cemetery plot in that cemetery behind the church. In other words, this has been my life. And here's what she said to me. She said, God sent you here to lead us out. I'll be honest with you, I stood there for, I don't know how long it was, probably was really only a couple seconds, but I remember thinking, wow, I would have never thought of myself in that way, I would have never thought that, that God would use me to come to a place to share the truth with people that were in the dark so that they could see the light, that they could see the treasure. Can I tell you this morning that God may have you where he has you? because he has a treasure for you. He has something that he wants to do through you to help other people. I hope you see that this morning, that what happens in our lives has an eternal significance as it relates to God and to the work of God. Ephesians 2.10, look at the verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look, you know what the Bible's saying there? We are God's work. God works through individuals. That's why we had vacation Bible school this week. We could have just said, hey, forget about it. We can't have vacation Bible school. No, boys and girls needed to hear about the one true God. That's why we have church. That's why we have revivals, because God wants to work. Imagine what our great God can do through any human instrument that will allow that person to use God for him to use their lives. Look what Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. God saved you, did he not? And God wants to work through your life. And it may be that it may go through a period of darkness, but look, don't let the darkness overcome you. Let God take you by the hand as you go through the darkness and he will lead you to the treasures of darkness. And then notice lastly this morning that our God never works against our will. You know, one thing I love about God is He didn't create us as robots. God gave each one of us a will, a free will, to make choices. I'm looking at people this morning, and although I can't necessarily look through the camera, I'm looking at you at home. You could have chosen to not be in church today. It was your choice. And when I think about our will, look, we should be willing as Christians to surrender our will to his will. When I think about how good God has been to us, look, all of us need to allow his will to be accomplished in our lives. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. What know ye not that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, And ye are not your own. Boy, you ought to let that sink in. If you're saved this morning, God lives in you. Your body is not yours. Look what it says in verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. You know what? Look, we're not worth much, are we? We're just dirt. But the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the Bible says here in verse number 20 that you are bought with a price. Look at it. Here's what we need to do as we think about this. God working. He wants to accomplish his will. He says, then glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus himself. The greatest example I can think of said in John chapter 6, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Throughout his earthly ministry, his life on this earth, Jesus was consumed with letting God's will be accomplished in his life. Towards the end of his life, notice Luke 22, saying, Father, If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But look at these words. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This morning you might be in the darkness. Can you truly say to God this morning, God, I'm in the dark. I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you. Lord, whatever you're doing, it's not about me. Not my will, but thine be done. Years ago there was five young missionaries that followed God's will. Here they are right here. To evangelize people that were very primitive people in Ecuador. They went for Christ. And on October, notice, excuse me, on January the 8th, 1956, these five individuals, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Yodurian were attacked and speared to death by a group of native warriors. The news of their death, you have to understand, 1956, there was no World Wide Web, but the news of their death began to spread across the world and, and, and it was broadcasted around the world. It was picked up, by Life Magazine, and you see the article there this morning, and how some people would have said, what a loss, and and, and listen, certainly five young men lost their lives, but can I say that God says, what a gain, because look, there were so many more people that were reached, as a result of their witness, as they're sharing the gospel, as they're spreading the gospel, they knew that it was God's will for them to go. Listen, can I tell you this morning that all we need to be consumed with is not my will, but thine be done. You see, I, if you look, and I don't know if you can tell, but those men are not in that picture. You know who's in those, that picture? All the wives. Those wives, it's an amazing story, I won't tell you, you ought to look it up and read about it. How those wives, they forgave those people that murdered their husbands. They actually were instrumental in going to that area and and, and leading many of those people to Christ, evangelizing, yes, those that say, I don't understand that, such a dark time in history and the lives of those families that went through, but listen, God got the glory. Look at it. Go ye and preach the gospel. Five do and die. Paul says, look, I am crucified with Christ nevertheless. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. See, God does not work against our will. They went in the will of God. And here's the wonderful thought. When you're in God's will, even if something like this happens, They stepped into the presence of God. The Bible says in in Genesis 45, look at it. We just looked at this not too many weeks ago, where we see the testimony. Now, therefore, be not grieved, Joseph said, nor angry with yourselves. He's talking to his brothers, remember? And he says that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. He says, look, I understand. I realize it was a dark time in in my life. I found myself in the pit and I found myself in the prison and I I found myself being forgotten. He says, but listen, God meant it all for good. And I think about how he understood God had a purpose, how God had sent him. And I think about Jonah there in the belly of that whale and how God was the one that threw him overboard. Listen, it was God's will for Jonah to get thrown overboard. And whatever's going on in your life today, listen, can I say that as you go through whatever you're going through, that it is God's will that you're going through that. You look in the Bible, how sinful people nailed the Son of God to an old rugged cross. So I just don't understand how that would happen. Listen, from eternity past, he was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. It was always God's plan. See, God knew what the will was for His Son before His Son ever was born of a virgin. When I think about what they did to Jesus, how they thought that they had won, they, they were sitting there clapping and cheering, and they said, Hey, He's dead now, and we're alive. And we lived on, and He's gone. But the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, just like in Cyrus' day, just like in our day day, you know what? God is at work. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we think about God being at work When we, you and I meet dark